Jamie. Yes, Marianne. I'm a bit sad to tell you that this is the end of the Lovecraft show, as in there won't be any more seasons and there won't be any more episodes. That's bad news, I, particularly as I'm still in the Lovecraft show. What am I going to do now? Well, don't worry, because we've got a new show for all our crafty-loving listeners. It's going to be called Craft Talking. Guess who's going to be doing it? Who's going to be doing it? You! Hey! <laughs> oh, I can live on to be another day. I tell you what, it's very weird just being a disembodied voice that exists in a podcast. There are so many trapped in other podcasts that have pod-faded over time. But I can live on! In another area. I'm so excited now. Craft talking, you say? Craft talking. So it's going to be a fantastic new podcast with me and you. And we're going to talk to everybody and anybody. So people, listeners, don't forget to subscribe and find Craft Talking wherever you get your podcasts. That's Craft Talking without a G because we're so cool. See you there. Bye. I told my doctor that I've got a buzzing in my ear, and he said, there's a bug going round. Hey, everybody, it's a Lovecraft show. My name's Mr. x And I'm Marion. We're pleased to welcome today Helen Winnicott and Sarah Fowles, founders of the Yarningham Festival, to the show. Welcome, Hello. ladies. Hello. Now, for anybody who's not in the UK, who hasn't heard about Yarningham, it's a really fantastic yarn festival. Tell us, ladies, how did this begin, the idea of, of running a yarn festival? I mean, that's a pretty big job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a big job, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. You're still smiling. Um, through the pain. <laughs> we kind of didn't start out to start a yarn festival. We actually tried to open a yarn shop and were unsuccessful in that and then used all of that stuff that we'd done to open a yarn shop to... We didn't want to waste what we'd done. We'd spent six, seven months kind of trying to put something together. And so we turned it into a yarn festival, which may or may not have been our best forward slash worst idea. <laughs> the yarn shop idea was that we didn't have anywhere where we wanted to go and shop. There wasn't anywhere in our local area. Where are you guys based? So we're based in Birmingham, right in the mm-hmm. centre of the UK. No yarn shops in Birmingham. Yeah, it's pretty... Not in the centre, no. Nothing in the centre, nothing that's really easily accessible without without transport, without your own transport. It kind of seems a bit weird. We live in a massive city that it's... The places where we'd want to go are actually quite difficult to access without a car. Um, and so part of that was how Yarningham began. So then it was about well, we can't have a shop all of the time, but we could have a kind of shop some of the time was the kind of thinking behind it. So we did our first one in 2016. And we've done one every year, apart from last year, but we all know what that was about. So there's a marketplace, there's workshops, there's demonstrations most importantly for both of us there's very good cake like really good <laughs> well, cake i'm there it's essential for all it's, 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 it's yeah. absolute it was kind of like second on the list of things that we needed to do we took our experiences from going to other yarn shows and took things that we didn't like and hopefully made them better so Lots of things that we were kind of 
I don't know, but I think we focus, I think the thing with Yarningham is that we focus on the details a lot. Like we're both, well, I'm massively pedantic. So the details are kind of um, just a big issue for me. We've got no real interest in repeating ourselves necessarily. So we try and make everything kind of new that year, whether that's the marketplace, whether that's the type of workshops that we have, the demonstrations that we have new cake as well is also important <laughs> seasons so, trends See, so te- this year. Yeah. tell us what sort of things that that make it different or what sort of things have you had in the marketplace or in the classes that somebody might expect can i be, but, be, but before that because i'm similarly minded like there's a lot of similarity i think between your approach to your sector and my approach to cross stitching as much as i go to some of these shows and i see that generally speaking it's the same song played each year because it's a formula that works very yeah. well for the people that run the shows and they don't see any real reason to change it except to maybe make it a bit trendy from now and again and that's fine isn't it but there's a sort of complacency there that i think makes it ripe for things like yarningham I think there's that thing of like, you could go to a show once and then why would you go back if it's kind of the same thing every year? Mm. So I would want it to be, you know, something different each year. So we have some rules at Yarningham um, that we've always had. So 50% of our marketplace is always new to us each year. And we've kind of designed the application process to help us ensure that. And it's just really, it's like tiny tweaks that that takes to kind of ensure that we can meet those kind of targets. And I mean, and that's wonderful, isn't it? Because actually, how many of us have been to, you know, a favourite yarn show and you just see exactly the same people with exactly the same stock? And there's some comfort in that, but actually you do want to see something different. So that's very refreshing. Thank you. (laughs) And then we... We commission a lot of our workshops or we have commissioned a lot of our workshops in the past. So asking people to come up with a workshop specifically for us, that there's great to have that, you know, the new exciting or the kind of the thing of the day. But then there's also something about having something that's just specifically for us, just exclusive or someone trying out something for the first time. We're really big on first time. So whether that's people in the marketplace, people doing trying out a workshop for a first time people doing demonstrations of things for the first time so new technology or a new base or whatever like a new design a new kit we're really up for kind of not necessarily exclusives but kind of you can only find it here this weekend that's an exclusive isn't it yeah so the same thing (laughs) (laughs) So does Yarningham run over the weekend? So is it is it a two-day, three-day festival? So it's a two-day festival, Saturday and Sunday, with lots of running about by me and Helen on the Friday. Yeah, crawling uh, <laughs> about on the floor to mark out the spaces. <laughs> literally, actually, yeah. literally crawling around on the floor. Not, yeah. not even, that's not even a joke. That's just the truth. <laughs> and um, who have been your sort of favourite exhibitors that you've had in that you've just sort of been thrilled to bits to have oh I think I don't what my favorite thing that we've done so the two things that we did on our so obviously our festival is in a city the you know second largest city in the UK and on our first our first Yarningham in 2016 we really wanted to have some kind of 
like animals there. So whether it was sheep or alpacas. <laughs> Not, I don't, not really, not, like tiger. Tell I've got a four-year-old, tiger would be amazing. The logistics of that, challenging. Quite, quite challenging. I think health and safety would have something to say about it. Marion's pretend doggy. <laughs> yeah. But so we, we had two alpacas come as our special guests Aww. and they stayed for a couple of hours and they ate some hay and everyone was just amazed that we got alpacas there and obviously they're they're the cutest things in the world so you know and I just think having a finding some alpacas in Birmingham was was a bit of a challenge but we found them and then that they came and they were just ace and they were called cookies and cream which and one was black and one was white and it was the best thing was the best thing ever And then I think they are they are super sweet, aren't they, alpaca? I know some near Coventry, but obviously that's not quite the same. No, 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 just cl- close but no cigars. A bit far for them to travel, probably. And then I think my second favourite thing was we uh, met a leathersmith called uh, Deborah Clark, who's based in the Jewelry Quarter, so part of Birmingham. And she designed a workshop specifically for us where you could make your own leather purse, but it was all, you could hand paint it and hand stitch it. And then you took away Mm. this beautiful kind of notions purse. And it was just like everyone who did the workshop was kind of like, this is the most amazing thing. And it was just a really, it was a really, really good way of exploring stitch but not it not be say knit or crochet or something like that it was just something it was something completely different and Deborah's a fantastic person to work with so um yeah big up b18 leather go and check her out on instagram she's amazing Ooh, we'll, we'll pop a link we'll pop a link in the show notes so that's so interesting actually so the workshops and things that you do are sort of not limited to just traditional yarn crafts no. so not just knit and crochet so i mean leather working amazing so many crafts can you see yarningham sort of expanding into lots of different crafts like for example could you imagine mr x stitch there coming giving a little cross stitch workshop I don't see why not. <laughs> Works on Tunisian crochet, I can tell you. That. Oh, oh uh, we have got, Jamie and I have massively fallen in love with Tunisian crochet since we met Tony Lipsy. In fact, for me, that was when I fell in love with it when I met Tony Lipsy. But you just, you really like it now, don't you? I do. I don't do it, but I know that it's good. You know, if I was ever going to do a crochet from, I don't know, the sort of tropical equator region, Tunisian, <laughs> definitely. <yeah. laughs> Stop it. I want to take things back. I want to take things back to 2007. Stitches and Pose. <gasps> oh, my God. When you first met. Because the thing is, is it's one thing to go, like, to do a shop and, and, and to do an exhibition as well. Like, you know, I've run craft fairs myself. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing the amount of different things you have to do. But I want to take it back. I want to, I want to understand how all these ideas came in the first place. Because, like, it's going to sound wrong. You guys have got a lot of history, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I started Stitches and Hose in like 2006, 2007 with some drunk friends in a pub. And someone had sent me an article about Nick Graffiti and Magda Sayeg and showed basically I'd seen a photo online of a lamppost in New York covered in knitting. And it absolutely kind of threw me of this soft thing in urban landscape and knitting and kind of it being not functional and just kind of 
there. And I just had this conversation with a, with some friends of ours, just like, this is the most incredible thing that I've seen. And then we got to talking about knitting in unconventional spaces. And we talked about how hilarious it would be if we were all sat in the pub knitting and that, you know, if someone just came in and there were like loads of people knitting, how brilliant that would be. So we decided to do it. So we got a pub room and we did some flyers and we asked people to come and bring their knitting. And on the very first Stitches and Hose, I think about 50 people turned up and it was it was crazy. We were sat in the back room of this pub, like 50 people knitting. And I just remember this one guy who like was obviously trying to find the loo kind of walked in and his face was just was the perfect thing it was like we're definitely doing something right and Helen came along to Stitches and Hose and we just kind of got talking and there was lots of there was lots of kind of putting the world to rights like well if we did this we'd do it like this and then we started working on specific projects mm. and kind of doing crazy things with knitting, covering big bronze bull statues and grade <laughs> two listed buildings and teaching people to knit in Wolverhampton and going to festivals and teaching, going to like music festivals and teaching people to knit. And Do you know, I think it's so exciting to think that sort of, so this is 2006 when you guys are doing all of this. So that's when it sort of began. Yeah. So we're looking at sort of, 15 plus years and over that time it's only you know like it makes me laugh when you sort of think you know people knitting in a pub was really shocking in 2006 yeah people would be like what and now actually people are still slightly surprised to see somebody knitting in a pub (laughs) but not as surprised as they were in 2006 but isn't it strange that people should even think that that's a thing I mean I definitely loved that whole kind of private public kind of play of you know knitting traditionally or would be even though it's a really community communal kind of activity you know people sitting around stitching together is a is a really natural thing always seem to be done in a kind of private setting so whether at home or like you know in some kind of industry there was very little of it like out out in the public you know, I remember knitting on the bus quite a lot and people would just give you the weirdest looks. And it's kind of like, I'm just knitting. There's nothing kind of yes. crazy here. So that thing of kind of thinking of doing it somewhere so public, like a literally a public house, a pub, it was just a brilliant, we just thought would be a great kind of conversation starter of kind of why you were doing it. There was no real reason other than to be there and to be out and that that kind of thing of you know I knitted at home a lot and there wasn't anyone else to ask so you know I there was you know my mom doesn't live anywhere near here I didn't have another knitter or another stitch person to go I'm stuck with this so there was that kind of bit of if you were somewhere public then maybe you would meet somebody else who were out was a knitter and they could you were kind of signaling to them by knitting in public that this was what you could do and then that might start a conversation and you know it started a conversation between me and Helen and you know look where it got us (laughs) (laughs) so Helen Helen how what brought you to Stitches and hose. Were you two looking for somewhere that you could sort of knit with other people in a group in a public place or like sort of 
not in your home? I was part of another knitting group at the time and I went along with a friend from there and met Sarah and that's where it all started. So do you two just absolutely clicked and then sort of put the world to rights? Yeah, like that thing where you're, you meet somebody else who not necessarily has the same opinions as you, but is kind of questioning things of like, why is that like that? And how come this isn't there? And how could we do that? Or has those same kinds of questions that makes the, like the working interesting that there's Mm. somebody else who's as nosy or inquisitive or curious curious about things disruptive disruptive is good i like disruptive yeah. <laughs> i see there's a bit of mischief i feel like mischief is a word that has been used for you guys you can sort of tell yes. it's got to be fun like what's the point yeah. otherwise you know there's 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 got to be there's got to be joy in it and you know that's why i knit because i like it so if i want to do stuff around knitting then it has to be stuff that's nice to do as well so in all of this and we're talking about all the sort of positivity and all the love and all the things that go into crafting and this did you get any pushback did you get people trying to stop you doing what you're doing did you get people objecting to yarningham or did, did you have any sort of difficulties did people sort of give you any push back i wouldn't necessarily say people have anyone has pushed back necessarily there's been there's been stuff that hasn't worked and you know that we've asked people and then they've given us good feedback you know this worked this didn't work we like that we didn't like that I think the things that have been really tough are because we're not necessarily from that yarn world I suppose we're you know we're not dyers we're not designers but kind of finding or having a kind of a peer network is actually quite difficult. We found that there's a mm. lot of, I don't, a, a lot of kind of we're a, we're already a group and we're not looking for any new new additions kind of thing. Do, I, do you think that's because um, like the sort of the bigger yarn shows they don't want the sort of like you know so that you're going to come bouncing along with this new fresh zingy fantastic yarn show and it might it's sort of threatening to a bigger yarn show it almost seems ridiculous but you sort of wonder whether that's it people are like this yarn show is going to be different and i don't think i don't think the big yarn shows would even notice yet until it was too late i feel it's a bit like that there's room for there's there is room for lots of in lots of different things and i would i would absolutely hope that no big in inverted commas yarn show is is scared of yarning them in that way it would be really boring if there was only one yarn show i mean if it was yarning them then obviously oh, i would yeah. be fine with that but <laughs> we really don't understand it that kind of protectionism against something like if your stuff is good then it's good like there's you don't need to protect it it's its value is there. You know, the fact that people have really enjoyed coming to the show and you've had all these great exhibitors, you know, that speaks for itself, doesn't it? It's been such a positive, fantastic experience for the people that have been, that have people have enjoyed the stuff and the exhibitors that are have worked at the shows and stuff like that. And certainly, I mean, some of the names have been lovely. I, no- I noticed that um, 
you had Rachel from Fly Died, who we just love at Lovecrafts. We love her. She she won, I think, our indie designers grant one year um, for her fantastic yarn dyeing. I mean, she's an amazing craft. Well, we have to fess up. She was on our exhibitor list for 2020, but it's the show that didn't happen. So she is in the magazine, but she was, she is in the magazine. So yeah, let's talk about the magazine. Let's talk about the magazine. So how did you go from yarn show to magazine? (laughs) Started out as a flyer. <laughs> Got to be that. <laughs> sort of, yeah. We always produce a brochure, like a show guide for the show, which always has a couple of patterns in it, so people keep it, so they don't just chuck it in. Yeah, they don't just chuck it in the bin. Mm. So we always ask mm. designers to design something for us, and it kind of grew from that because we couldn't do a physical show. We had to move it online, obviously, because of COVID. So we thought it would be nice to have something physical as a product so we decided to do a magazine and yeah <laughs> have you got experience in magazine no. publishing brilliant <laughs> no no so we're kind of no. groping in the dark really aren't we mm. i mean yeah. and so how how did you how did you start to build the magazine i mean i i can remember doing things like this when i used to work for a local college, just do the marketing for a college at some point. We used to do the, um, we used to do sort of like little mini magazines and things for open days and stuff. And we always used to start with lots of pieces of paper stuck together in what I would always refer to as a Blue Peter version of our magazine. So we actually used to start by writing things all over bits of paper and sandwiching them together. But how did you, how did you sort of decide how the magazine was going to be structured and, you know, what you wanted in it? we just sort of chatted about it and decided that we wanted patterns in it and some articles so it wasn't just knitting patterns or crochet patterns we also have a tapestry pattern as well in there <gasps> oh jamie's sitting up now Goodness. tapestry jamie there's a venn diagram <laughs> that is um, but we wanted some articles as well so there was something to read and some local people in there to do little spotlight features on local artists and we've also got a comic strip this is really Ooh. good the comic strip is amazing uh can't, we can't say anything more about it <laughs> no. than that because it will we won't even name names of people in it right it well i can name the name of the illustrator who's kindly drawn it for us a lady called ruth green who designed our mascots uh boris and donald and it fe- <laughs> it does what, what i can say it does feature yeah, yeah. our festival mascots boris and donald in their first comic strip adventure as a piece of advice to anybody wanting to set up a magazine don't it's really hard no. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. really or, really hard this is one of the things though that like i wanted to talk about you, you mentioned it before how you can find yourself in certain positions in an industry where you don't have anybody else to connect with it's yeah. really weird because yeah like so i I make a cross-stitch magazine. I have a website about needlework. I've done talks and workshops. I don't do any cross-stitch. I haven't got the time to do any cross-stitch in some ways. So when I go onto Reddit and I look at everything that people have finished, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if I could contribute to that conversation one day. But I can't because my time is taken up doing these other things. And then, like you say, you're not 
in one of the businesses. You're just in this. You're like the jam in between this sort of sandwich yes. of like, and 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 then it's quite hard to find other people who are going through the same thing because it's quite a niche thing. Like I recently met um, a guy who's the editor of this magazine called Juxtapose, this art magazine, and that was cool because we were able to talk about doing podcasts and doing these things in a way that none of the other people I know do because again it's very kind of specific niche where you talk about these things and that's the thing with magazines it's like unless you go to i don't know you listen to a stack magazine podcast or you look around for one or two magazines about making magazines how the hell do you like my trial by fire yeah the first issue of my magazine was ridiculous like and when you did yeah because you did the kickstarter did you just want to talk about the kickstarter for a second yeah so we set up a kickstarter to basically pay for the magazine and we realized that I come from an industry, I did a lot of work in theatre and costume and from an arts background and from a music background as well, where there's just lots of bits of various things where just people don't get paid. So that was a big part of doing the magazine was, well, if we're going to do this, we have to pay everybody fairly and kind of properly. So we did a budget and then there was a really big figure at the end of it. (laughs) And it was kind of like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to fundraise to do it. There's no other, there's just no other way. There's no way we could afford to do it in that way. So it was kind of like, well, if we can get, get the money that people were basically buying the magazine up front, then we can, then we can, then we can do this magazine thing. So that was, that was the, that was the reasoning behind it. And being quite clear and hopefully quite open about the fact that everyone's getting paid on this magazine. We've paid all our designers, all of the spotlights. We've paid for our introduction to be written. We're paying for our graphic designer, paid for a photo shoot, makeup artist. You know, every everyone that we are working with has a fee attached to it that's a fee that's been agreed with them so we're not trying to kind of say hey do you want to come and work for a tenner and a jam sandwich because that happens a lot doesn't it yeah and it does happen a lot and I think it's I think it's something that's it doesn't help anybody really it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help the industry it doesn't help that person it doesn't help that that person's role it doesn't help that kind of bit of the industry that they work in I believe it's a complete false economy. So raising the money, that's hard. <laughs> and then then kind of making sure that the money you've raised is enough for what you want to do because it gives you <laughs> it gives you it gives you a really good I mean it's brilliant. We were quite good. I think having done lots of festivals before makes us a bit better at budgeting, but there have been some extra bits, but nothing nothing kind of crazy, but Paying people properly is kind of a big thing for us, and it being a, it being the norm, like making that mm. making that normal. Like there should be no, there should be no kind of question of yes, there is a fee attached to this. I'm asking you to do something, and there's a fee attached to it. Yeah, and isn't it extraordinary that you know? I suppose we've still got that sort of culture where people will say, "Oh, could you knit me? <laughs> could you knit me a jumper?" and not expect to get paid. Or can you, it's all of the sort of crafting, it's sort of like in the crafting world where people just expect people to make things for nothing. And so I think it's fantastic that you've taken that stand to run it like any other 
industry where it, just because it's a creative endeavor that doesn't mean you don't get paid and also that there's that there's there's masses of skill and you know yeah, time, time amassed and um expertise that you know in any other industry you you have to pay for that's you know that's that's the way it is so you need to you need to pay people for that and so what's the print run sorry let me just have a think so for what i know you said at the beginning you were thinking of extending the print run but how many copies are you having printed so we're printing around 300 copies for our kickstarter backers but we would like to extend that and so if Five. yes Five. <laughs> if you've got if you'd like to buy a copy of yarn and stitch for your local local yarn shop or you run a local yarn shop and you're interested in being a stockist is this where it like runs across the bottom (laughs) please contact us yeah Yeah. we'd we'd love to do that we've got a little media pack if people are interested of guide prices and stuff like that so please do get in touch just recently there was a new crochet magazine launched um, more it yeah more it and i was very excited about that because you just it's so you get used to the magazines that are on the market and you know they're very predictable what's going to come and you know and I very rarely see anything in those things that I'd want to make sometimes I do but you know they cater for a big big market and so when Morit was I've read about Morit I thought oh I've got to have a copy of that so I got a copy and it was beautiful it's lovely beautifully made lovely paper great patterns so I think there is a real appetite for new magazines and I think you know they're selling theirs through sort of yarn swaps and things I would love to think that that's going to happen with yarn and stitch that there's there's a much bigger audience for it yeah come on yarn shops come on people (laughs) buy some copies because we want to get this magazine out there I think it'd be fantastic especially when I looked at the line the lineup Oh, oh yeah, of the people that you've got in it. Let's, let's drop some name bombs because it's a pretty powerful lineup, isn't it? Yeah, let's tell us. It. Tell us who's in the magazine. Ah, oh, you go first, and we can go. Oh, we've had them on the podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Gigi <Yeah>. made it. <laughs> Gigi, yes. yeah, yes. you've got Gigi made it. Yes, okay. Yeah, Gatsby. Now she's a living legend, literally. Yeah, so she's written an she's written an article for us exclusive article for us can't tell you anything else buy the magazine and you can read it uh we've got some fantastic designers who've done exclusive patterns for us and there's there's a little bit of everything for everyone so there's knitting patterns there are crochet patterns there's a a weaving tapestry pattern there are garments there are accessories there are small projects what i would really like to talk about though is not necessarily our big headliners but I think the Midlands maker spotlights that we've got so we've asked five makers who are kind of stitch based so they're not necessarily knitters or crochets to give a little kind of spotlight on themselves and what they do and they're all kind of based around the Midlands and that's a great list so as a embroidery artist called Imogen Morris um, Deborah Clark who we talked about earlier the leathersmith James Chandler, who's a dyer. Jackie Cassidy from Soft Accents, who is a seamstress who makes amazing, like the best project bags you've ever seen. So, so incredibly well made. Like I, I, you know, properly the best stuff. And um, Rachel from Fly Dyed as well has done a Midlands yeah. Maker Spotlight. So I think that part of the magazine is really nice that it's not just about the kind of, the big headliners, I suppose, that there's 
space for other people as well. I love the fact that you you're making space for new people in yeah, the magazine or sort of smaller crafters in the same way that you do at Yarningham. So in Yarningham where you sort of have this commitment to giving new people space in the marketplace or mm. space in the workshops I love the fact that that sort of followed through to the magazine so that you've got also room to introduce new people because yeah. there is such an appetite and there is so much creativity we want to see all these new people exactly. we want to see what people are doing because we love it and there's no shortage of excitement for any kind of maker in our world is there I think that's one of the exciting things about what happens when you produce your own magazine and you've got the opportunity to like like my magazine's quarterly and my competitors are monthly so I don't think they have the time to go looking in the same way as you do when you're making something on a slower schedule mm. so you can be more curatorial in the stuff that you put together rather than it just being like a production process over and over again you can go these are the flavors I'm interested in and therefore like Imogen's brilliant like yeah, Imogen as a, incredible. as far as an embroidery like if you've ever used nails and strung thread around them to make a picture you need to go and see Imogen and then just give up because she's <laughs> yeah she's in, she's she's incredible and it's been a pleasure I mean everyone's been a pleasure to work with actually on the magazine that's not been the difficult part of it I should just say that that none of our mm. contributors all of our contributors have been fantastic it's it's more our headaches uh, behind the scenes I think the other thing that's cool is when you do a Kickstarter as well, not only does it enable you to fundraise, but it kind of validates the concept in the first place. So you can understand that people are interested because yes. there are so many Kickstarters that don't meet their goals or whatever. But and obviously, like, because, again, your story, not dissimilar to mine, you spent 10, 15 years priming the pump. You've had your workshops, you've had your festivals, you've got an audience who are interested in the way you tell the tale of craft. So when the time comes for you to go, hey, we're doing this thing, will you support us? There's plenty of people who are willing to come to the plate already. And, you you know, you, you hit your target very comfortably, I think, wasn't it? It wasn't like last minute or anything. It was really difficult, really, really difficult. And that thing of not being kind of in with the in with whoever made it made it even harder. And that's where the thing of kind of asking for support and kind of not hearing back was really kind of tough. Mm. But then doesn't it make the victory even sweeter in as much as you go, right, I've got my, you know, what was it, 250 plus supporters, I think, something like that on yeah, your back, as me and Mary yeah. included. And you go, right, that's my 250. Like, because there's someone that says, you know, all you need is a thousand true fans to be successful. If you can get a thousand true fans, if you can get each of those fans to spend a hundred pounds with you a year, that's a hundred thousand pounds. You know, So we don't need... 40 million followers no 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 I I think that numbers game is I think you drive yourself crazy if you go into that you've got 250 people who love you already and all they've got to do is tell a friend and that's double the number immediately or whatever and I I'm in a similar boat in that my audience is small but they're very sturdy that sounds wrong now that I've said that but you know they're like they're in it and they believe in it and they love it. And so they can become advocates mm. over time. It's more, I guess the interesting thing is that you've said you're not going to do another issue. And I've got a suspicion that you're going to have to, even if it's next year, <laughs> because I feel like what you're about to produce is a magazine that sets a different standard. Yeah, and me too. people are going to want more of that. Oh, yeah. Not- and I, I mean, I really, and I know that sounds like a lot of hard work and headaches for you, but I hope it is the case because I've got a feeling like Jamie that this is going to be 
you know, it'll be a bit of gold dust. People will be like, well, did you get a copy? No, I missed mm. it, you know. Yeah. Um, so even if you do manage to extend the print run, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people because there's such an appetite I and, hope and so. with such a lineup as well. And you come from a different starting point. You know, I think a lot of the existing magazines, they're commercially driven. You know, I know with my competitors as well that advertising revenue is as important to them as people enjoying the content. And we come from a different mindset where we go, like for me, I want to celebrate cross-stitch and show how interesting and diverse in it. You want to provide a fresh approach to knitting and crochet that people can't be doing in the mainstream because they've got profits to maintain and all of those sorts of things. So mm. this is where you get hoisted by your own petard in some ways because people are like, you've made something amazing. Can I have another one, please? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful because already I want another one and I haven't even got oh, the first one. <laughs> Whilst it's been a complete pain in the bottom doing this magazine the end result is going to be amazing like I'm mm. I have no I have absolutely no doubt in that and I think looking at we had our submission deadline it's this week yes yeah but pretty much everything is in but pretty much everything is in and looking through the articles and the spotlights and the photos from the photo shoots mm. and the patterns this is this is as good, if not better, than any other magazine out there. Sorry, <gasps> Jamie. Really, hey. I can't wait. Hey. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've got a magazine, my... I've got a magazine really... fight in a minute. <laughs> you're significantly different magazines. You yeah, don't yeah, have to have Archibald. No, I think you're no, no, no. That, and that's it. Magazine. There's room, there's so room for everything, but obviously our magazine is best. Have you had that change in the subject? Have you had that weird conversation about like paper yet? Yes. Where, where your printer comes and goes, well, these different types, you sit there rubbing paper that's yes! marginally heavier than other <laughs> like paper this, and going. I've had, really had lots of conversations with our designer, Mark, who's going to do the layout about, yeah, finishes and yeah. paper yes. stuff. Never, never before have you come <laughs> yeah. up to this Bleeds. uncoated. Bleed, yes, uncoated, silk. Yeah. GSM. The thing is that once you've like printing a hundred magazines is more almost more expensive than printing three hundred magazines, yeah. isn't it? That's what I mean. So yeah. if you're going to get three hundred done, you may as well get five hundred if you can afford it for that bit of extra. And then it can be stocked in all the independent wool shops, both here in the UK and abroad. Yes, <laughs> it's oh, available. Yeah. Available, available so worldwide cool. if you like. Is it going to be available solely in print or will you be looking to do a digital version for people in outer space and stuff? Um, At the moment, we have not decided. So at the moment, it's print only. I've got a thing about how you read things digitally. There's this really fancy way that you can make the pages turn on a screen, but it's really expensive. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll I was see. really anti it. When I first started out, I was really like, no, my magazine is going to be analog and there'll be no digital version of it. Thank you very much. But after uh, several evenings of stuffing envelopes and then also realising that Every time I sell a physical magazine, I have to put in envelope tickets to the post office <laughs> and all those sorts of things. Whereas you can sell an interactive PDF without even waking up out of your bed. It was something I think that it's a smart thing to consider. If there's no like political with a small p reason why you wouldn't have a digital one. No, not really. I think there's a bit, uh, it would make some of the exclusivity more difficult and we need to have a look at that. There's like mm. kind of logistic stuff around it. But at the moment, we're trying to 
keep it simple she says by doing just the doing the print run and that because this was a physical manifestation of the online festival this was the physical part of it the tangible in your hands that doesn't really work if it's digital at the moment no 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 no, i know exactly what you mean this is a very nerdy conversation we should probably put a time stamp in for the (laughs) listeners so they can forward past jamie gets boring about magazines (laughs) so you're firming up plans for yarningham 2022 then that's a a real deal irl hopefully fingers crossed it's it's too early to make an absolute Yes, we're definitely going to do it. We are putting plans in place. We are Mm -hmm. opening our marketplace applications in the next week or so. So if you were interested in coming to exhibit at Yarningham, uh, the applications will be open on our website in a couple of weeks. That's (laughs) yarningham.co.uk. Thank you very much. (laughs) And... Yeah, it's not it's not definite. We'll we're probably gonna wait a couple more months and kind of I think we're just quite cautious and need to be if you know, the last eighteen months have taught us anything. Yeah, I mean nobody can be sure of anything now. No. You? Just, you can hope that the predictions are gonna be correct and we'll exactly. be out of it by then or as much as we ever will be. But you've also been doing a couple of stitch up events, right? So you are broadening out to yeah, meetups anyway. So we've kind of been putting our toes back into the events world of doing some small uh social like kind of stitch up nights. We had one last night actually, it's lovely. Right. Just yeah. really informal quite um really laid back bring along whatever it is you're stitching and come and have some biscuits and a cup of tea will there be more stitch ups do you think because it must have been quite um quite familiar and unfamiliar at the same time right to have everyone back in the room it was it's been really lovely actually um we've got two more booked so one in november one in december and then we'll see where it goes from there. But it's been lovely, absolutely lovely. And what's been great is there's been people doing, it's not just knitters turning up. We've had crocheters, weavers, stitchers. It's been really great. Where can people find out more about how to join in? You can just find everything on our website. So all on the website. Yarningham.co.uk. Well, I haven't put the dates up for the new ones because we only booked them last week, but we'll put the new dates up and links of how to get there. That'll be all on our website. Doesn't everyone do that? You start knitting badly with some chunky needles and and some chunky wool and then you raise money to do a magazine so i mean what's funny is literally 75 percent of the people in this conversation have done that so this is quite an outlying conversation there we go yeah everybody's done that oh well that's been a such a good story and i'm so i'm really excited to see what happens because i can look back at my experience with kickstarter and what's gone on from there and i'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to go with you guys but it's been great. I think it's been great as well to be part of the Kickstarter. Like I was really chuffed when it happened and I'm Thanks. really, really excited to see the magazine and how it's going to sort of disrupt things in the best kind of ways and stuff. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to the magazine for the patterns, Jamie, and the editorial. <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't care pic- about disruption. The- <laughs> <laughs> I just want the stuff. I just want the bag. <laughs> Did you get any of the rewards with your pledges? Did you go? I can't remember. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. Yeah, I might have just gone print copy because I was excited. I'm not allowed tote bags anymore. We've got like 400 under the stairs. Yeah, there's, there's, the, the box of tote bags has actually arrived. It's downstairs in the kitchen. I'm going to go and open it after this. 
very exciting around in it so if anybody uh, wants to find out more wants to get in touch about stuck in the magazine where are they going to find you yeah website i think is the best the best place you can email us directly from there uh, or if you want to find us on social those social media things are on those as well uh on instagram and on facebook if you just search for yarningham you'll find us <laughs> you love that, don't you? It's my best radio voice. Very good radio voice. Could you do it in another voice just for me? Yarningham.co.uk, everybody. <laughs> That's my favourite voice. Go. I knew you were going to do that. Um, well, listen, all yarn shops all over the place, please get in touch with yarningham.co.uk to get some magazines to have in your stock. I think it's very exciting. It was a delight to meet you both. Thank you. Um, so inspirational. Um, mm. I'm going to come to Yarningham. I hope it's uh, in real life next year and I'm going to definitely pitch up. I'm going to pitch up yeah. when it's online anyway, but I'm going to pitch up if it's in real life. Oh, that's been so good. Well, thank you for giving us your time. Thank Thanks you. for everything you're doing. You know, success for the future and all those sorts of things. Thanks very much. It's been mega. It's Thanks been fantastic. We're really inspired. Can't wait for the magazine. And it's been lovely to meet you both. Not long now for the magazine. Me. Thank you. That was uh, episode nine of season two of the Lovecraft Show. Uh, my name is Mr. X Stitch, and I'm Marion. And you're the light. You're the night. You're the color of my blood. You're the cure. You're the pain. You're the only thing I want to touch. Never knew that it could mean so much. So much. You're the fear. I don't care because I've never been so high. Follow me through the dark. Let me take you past the satellites. You can see the world you've brought to life, to life. So love me like you do. La la, love me like you do. Love me like you do. La la, love crafts me like you do. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Hooray!